India tends towards the living room the most. It is where guests come. It is where people kind of come. That is where the most pocket spend happens. Home is a very new category. Yeah, it's so new that a Flipkart today is trying to say, hey, you know, we're going to double down and bet on this category because it is the future. Do you believe that the impact of ONDC would be as revolutionary as UPI? Without a doubt, we're trying to do something in a category that is not yet there. The inflection point is as India goes from a three, three and a half trillion economy to the ten trillion economy. This is where boom is going to happen. People start spending, people start consuming, and people care about how their houses are. Hi, this is Siddharth Aluwalia, and welcome to the Neon Show. Forbes released a survey recently that. Only 13.8% of India's startup ecosystem is comprised of women founders. Today's guest is looking to shatter those barriers. Her e-commerce company closed India's largest seed round in 2021. We welcome 10th Club's founder Bhavna Suresh to the Neon Show. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Prime Venture Partners, for sponsoring the Neon Show. Hope you enjoy it. I also built a business prior to this in real estate and I think just personal bias I like spaces and I always have thought that however small your space is a reflection of you yeah. right just like fashion I think there's a style quotient yeah. to it I think I've always been somebody is from the time I was a teenager my space was very it had to reflect my mood okay. and what I was being at that point so I think it was always that so I think as I kept talking to people I realized this was such a broken category right and i think when this opportunity came in we looked at it from all lenses and then i did not have a fully formed idea and i'll be very honest about it right we just said that home is a huge category everyone who's tried building a business in this category has struggled for multiple reasons one the market not being ready two maybe it's still a i mean not maybe it still is a very 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 informal category and it's expected for an economy like india that is just on the start of its consumption trajectory it's electronics fashion everything personal that comes in and home comes a little later so i think for me that was what was super exciting right and when i was having these conversations like i said the first business we bought was almost like a we bought everything in like a 3 4 month period right but we spent one year before that having hundreds of conversations yeah. and also as we were having those conversations we were going back and refining our thesis a little bit so i think my conversation with all of the founders outside of india all of the indian investors everybody who we pitched to and killed the idea it's all a learning like you said right you have to listen and say hey you know what are they saying what am i not paying attention to so we took a contrary bet where we said we would not buy brands right and that is something i was very clear about because this category does not have brands they have businesses and that's why all all of these people who are moving to marketplaces and amazon were buying impulse buy products um most of them didn't remember who they bought from it was just who was the right price who had the highest reviews ratings and let me buy from them but it was consumption that was growing slowly for convenience So I think that's what we built on and we we were very cognizant of there is an unnatural covid spike that has to fall once yeah. markets open and that is why we said we will buy these businesses one 100% and that was a very scary bet to take at that point right because there's no brand we actually you've sold a company yeah. i've sold a company 
and while there are many romantic stories to tell more are horror stories <laughs> it's not horror you know it's not that the person yeah. on the other side is bad or yeah. anything it's just you have given this your blood sweat and tears yeah. it's the question i asked you also right yeah. how do you tell an entrepreneur what to do most of the time it's not easy yeah so i think that was my base that i'm saying as we spoke and watched businesses and we really understood it it's very easy in india to keep throwing products into the market and somebody will buy it at some price right and that's what happens in marketplaces so there was no depth to any product it was just everybody was throwing everything and people were buying because india was on the start of this consumption yeah. so i think these were all the patterns that we saw and we said listen we can either go 0 to 1 and start building this but that's a very difficult journey in this category very specific to this category right and i have multiple theses and i think these were theses in 2021 but i think sitting in 2023 i have not been more confident of it now having run this for 2 years and this impractical idea that i had in 2021 actually kind of figuring out a way to do it i think our answer was people are buying lawn equipment and every home now has plants and life yes. plants and people feel a sense of calm with it you know there are also homes that buy a lot of artificial flowers and if you just look at this category there is a direct association with calmness nature green and then there is a aesthetic beautiful yeah. flower both both are important and we operate in both categories now and they both kind of cater to two different kind of modern india but they're both important and they're both not happening they're all happening on marketplaces right they're not coming to a website to buy this i think these were some of the theories that we had and we said the death in this business is because of the range of products and because unlike fashion these are not light yeah you know fashion has a range inventory problem it it is a known problem in the retail industry home has the added difficulty of one it's very impulsive most of the time unless you're in a deep life stage of yeah. setting up a house that happens very rarely you know it happens once or twice in everybody's lifetime uh but a lot of it is impulse buy and india's data started to show that right uh but i think the part that i started seeing that was missing in everything was one everybody gets so excited building brand and telling the story that i think at least me as a founder because i had debt um you were super careful and see i don't know if, if i knew we would go into times like this and macro yeah. like this whether i would take this crazy bet uh, right i we were all in a very optimistic scenario and like i said we took 32 we got we raised 7 million in equity we raised 32 million in debt and that was our 40 together yeah. stitched up round uh, we got 500 600 more yeah. after the round and that's how it became 40 out of the 32 million we used 6 million for pure acquisition that debt was not being was not to touch anything else it was 6 million with the caveat that we would buy 100% of the business right up front we would pay the value up front so we could take the business and do whatever we wanted yeah. it without being answerable and having to like you know just learn and break and whatever right um, luckily some of the early believers they one of 
America's oldest venture firms. Uh, again, if somebody in today's market told me uh, Forex would change the way it did, I think life would be interesting. But I think many things changed. But I'm so glad that um, that thesis of buying 100% held because as soon as we bought it, the market started to change. You know, COVID, like market started, cities started opening up, people started going back. But I think it was super interesting for us to learn at that scale. And I think if you can run a marketplace business in India, uh, India, because our customers are deeply value conscious. And if I have to say ruthless, ruthless, right? There's no room for too much error, right? Especially on marketplace. So if you can run that operation well, I think you're set for like for honestly, a long period of time. Any other kind of distribution channel is a cakewalk. Right. And I don't say this lightly. I think this is after speaking to a bunch of founders in the ecosystem. They're like, you're crazy. You're running like a heavy logistics, heavy goods phase, which is not fully played out yet on marketplaces that are extremely ruthless. If you can build that muscle and you survive that. We just tried launching offline a few weeks ago because now we believe we know how to run marketplace as a distribution. And I say we took this because it was very clear for us to buy different categories. We bought the garden business. We bought a home nursery. We bought what was a mix between a sports brand and a home gym business. And these were all axillary needs for somebody's home. So if you look at your home, there is a plant. There will always be a fitness corner in most modern Indian homes now because health is becoming so critical. Some form, in some small form. Be it a yoga mat. (laughs) Be it a yoga mat for sure or dumbbells or like like ankle weights or something, right? It's always there in one little corner. Um, And I think the baby room became interesting. Yeah. Uh, That's the highest spend uh, in a... In that period of time in a person's life. Yeah, it was. I think it was the opportunity came along and it was something we wanted to learn from. Yeah. What we did not buy are the core, you know, what we knew is India spends towards the living room the most. It is where guests come. It is where people mm-hmm. kind of come. That is where the most pocket spend happens. Kitchen is usually utilitarian yeah. uh, because that's the way it is. But most of our homes net-net are functional, yeah. right? India has, however modern we become, I think the values that we've carried on from the frugality. generation is, I don't know, I don't, see, I don't know if it's frugality, right? But all of us, whichever income bracket we belong yeah. to, it has to make sense from a value point yeah. of view, whatever that is. So value for money will always be part of India. Uh, I think quality is very subjective. But I think it's important as you win trust, quality is important. Um, and I think functionality, when you look at least more homes that I go to, however beautiful, it, if it's not functional, it is not an Indian yeah. home. So I think these are things that are almost given in India. And I think in the modern distribution channel, which is the marketplace online, no one's really cracked this. People have cracked it in the offline retail world and very established names have cracked this in the retail world. No one's really done it well in the online world. I think that was our bet saying it is important for us to go everywhere, right? Uh, but no true Indian home business has been accessible. And is there a way to kind of give modern India a spin saying 
we will take your value for products we will certify quality and we've actually taken it to an extent because it's been a problem statement for all of us right when you buy something if we buy at cheap price we don't know if the yeah. we don't know what quality is going to turn up right and that is india is a low trust market to to solve for all of that i think those were the simple thesis and like i said i was very very paranoid because i was very confident we'll tell a story we have a clear vision we know what we want to do but i really knew what will mess this business up is operations and that is what we heard again and again and again so we started there we said let's just do the hardest job if we fail here there's no point saying all the promises that we will say let's get past this if we get past this we'll definitely build it out and i think that's a very long answer to your very small question <laughs> i i want to know uh, you know Uh, some some more details about your childhood so so i have some something prepared right uh, about it. my childhood yeah yeah because uh, i believe right whoever you are today yeah. as a as a business person uh, running a small empire small empire <laughs> huh i would call it a small empire right sometimes today. we call it a circus also <laughs> right you see of today uh, eight there are eight brands that you are running or eight uh, labels as you say them that you are running today we only have one brand it's called tentclubhomes.com yeah and but uh, how many uh, companies that you have bought in different categories so i think that was the biggest piece that i really um, you know i said this 2 years ago then i kept quiet then i think last year i only spoke to shantanu once yeah. and i told him this wild idea and he said you're crazy and then i kept quiet and i think this year i just about 3 weeks ago we pulled it off right uh, we basically said we bought all these businesses and yeah. labels right it's almost distribution in our head right because we wanted to buy it we bought 8000 skus day 1 of operations no experience doing this so day 1 we had 8000 skus yeah. with us no systems no data no processes legacy warehouses we learned how to run them slowly and optimize it we picked 200 of them that's that that's okay. it right we took the 200 and we moved it into brand10clubhomes.com okay. and everything else we kind of side kind of killed slowly the 200 we found a way to kind of deepen it fix quality fix aesthetic fix packaging be very sure that this is what the consumer wants and only then we found a way to kind of stamp 10 club homes on it like a certification and now we're taking these 200 products as close to the customer which is through our website through stores through everything right so that's the journey so yeah i think for us we have 200 skus in one brand today god uh, i want to start with your childhood right where did you grow up and how much the city that you grew up in changed you as a person so i grew up a little everywhere i'm not an army kid so uh actually army kid exactly that's why i followed it up with a, i'm not an army kid i just i think my parents were very young when they yeah. had me and they moved around a lot and i was also a restless kid so as soon as i could make a decision i yeah. moved around a lot too um early part of i'm a bangalore for i think for all things home it's bangalore and you are a kannadiga no i'm a malayali 
I'm a Malayali, three generations in Bangalore, three generations Bangalore, but never lived in Bangalore really. And the, the surname that you carry is your father's name, Suresh? Yes, Suresh is my father's first name. Uh, so where we come from, you take the mother's name and the father's name. So my my house name is my mother's. Okay. So it's Chatambat. Uh, but different couples do it a little yeah. differently. I think my parents decided to call me Chatambat Bhavna Suresh. So I got my mother's house name and my father's first name. Got it. Yeah. And uh, your first job was Mahindra, right? Yeah. And you spent like one year, three months almost uh, there. I think a little bit more. I don't know. I think a little bit more. I Dates were a little messed up because I joined the other place. There was a, so yeah. Yeah, but but it it was always clear to you that entrepreneurship is is your path, or it became clear over over a period of time to you that once you started getting more and more independent and more and more exposure to where more ownership was given to you. See, I I don't come from a business family. I did not know what entrepreneurship was. Yeah, you know, I come from a very simple middle class family everybody salaried in a way yeah. um so no i don't think entrepreneurship as a word or thought or yeah. business was even i like being independent right i like making money and being independent yeah. and that's all i knew uh i was quite okay doing jobs like yeah. mahindra was very exciting for me right uh i didn't get paid anything but it was fun i loved it um I think when I joined that first startup with 22 feet was when I suddenly like loved work, like, you know, it was just so exciting. And that was, I think that's what happens, right? When you don't come close to business families and stuff, your first startup experience, it's like tasting blood. It's very, you, very special. It's like tasting blood. You either yeah. love it or you hate it. Yeah. Right. And even in the journey of 10 club, a lot of people, who've never worked at startups came in very early. And my conversation with very senior people was, it's like Bombay, it's like New York. Those things that people say, right? You enter and you know you either love it or you can never explain why you love it or why you hate it. I think startups are like that. It's You love it or you can never adjust. Um, So yeah, I think that was what it was for me. It was 22 feet was not a startup, but it was a startup for its time. It was a self-discovery mechanism for you, I, I would say, because then you discovered that. Hey, See, I think I life. liked, I did not ever project and say, I will do this on my own. Right? There's a lot of self-doubt and there yeah. is a lot of, you. and I care, like, I don't come from like intense money or anything, right? I come from, you need to have this much in your bank, yeah. you need to take care of yourself. So I think those plunges are... It, it built slowly. So I think it was not like one day I woke up yeah. and I said, yeah, uh, I did it. This happened. Business school happened. A month into business school, I was obsessed. Um, I was really scared. I think that was the most scared I was because it, there was a loan. I had gone outside. I had still tried doing it as much on a scholarship. I really did not want to take yeah. money from my father. Um, all of that, right? So I think that was when I was the most scared. And I failed. Uh, so I think that failure was, it was hard. That first one was, it was hard. I almost said I will never do it again. Uh, but then Rocket Internet came in. Then you said yes to them. <laughs> see, Rocket Internet was not, um, 
it was not rock it was rocket with a bunch of other people with a yeah. ridiculous idea see the answer was there i feel like there was somebody you know i think that was what i needed which was i was like i will not do something absolutely crazy again i need to have three or four reasons why i would do it and i would do it so while i say the story like it was you know just one night i changed my mind yeah. and i went i think it was i was at that right space where i knew i needed to like leave because if i stayed here the healing would have taken more time yeah. uh i think i just changed and i got this opportunity where i said i will go give it my best shot uh and yeah i took it slowly like i said this this one there was a potential idea there was a thesis that there was an opportunity and there was existing limited money so i think it was a build on and i was ready for that um yeah learned a lot there it was not 100% rescuer a ceo and a owner but uh, with a certain set of equity sponsored by yeah so i think it was not one of those ground up yes. like swings right i think it was the best thing that happened to me after the first failure because yeah. the first failure scares you humbles you and makes you realize you're not everything you make yourself out to be right like there is there are 20 ways you will fail yeah i think with that humbling experience and a little bit of a safety net which is it was 100% entrepreneurship right when i talk about it now but it had a little bit of a safety net and i think that just gave me this intense freedom or to learn confidence back again slowly it did not come overnight it took time with every win every correction so i think the first year i was still completely like on my guard right yeah. because i knew nothing and then i think slowly as the wind started coming confidence grows you make your mistakes and confidence grows but yeah i think that lamudi for me was it was a fantastic learning opportunity if you had now have to reflect right why do you think rocket internet and the group took a bet on you i mean uh, uh, <laughs> i think they came to college and it was not even uh, the person who spoke to me right See Rocket Internet was not in its glory days when I spoke to them. Yeah. You know they had like this amazing rise and they they kind of hired investment bankers and ex McKinsey people and all of that. And I think when I spoke to them it was when I met somebody at some career fair in in ATC and I did not sit for any career fair because by then I was building Style Bank. So I think one of it was one of these weird conversations I sat and had coffee with somebody and I was telling them what I was doing. I think they collected my details saying let's stay in touch. Yeah. And my email from them was very weird. It was one of those almost like very regularly I got a have you shut down yet? Not have you succeeded? What are you doing? It is are you done? Are you ready now? So I think it was one of those things where I don't think somebody from a very prestigious like school with the right things would have said something said yes to a crazy kind of opportunity like this right it was a distressed asset that they didn't want to close and they said one last shot so yeah i think they found a failed entrepreneur and said and i actually see i don't want to say failed but tried entrepreneur yeah. right it's the thesis we've applied at 10 club also i think as we did this year I think it needs a different kind of structure to come and say I'm going to do something completely crazy. 
or I will drive. So we actually started hiring a lot of ex-founders. Ex-D2C founders? Yeah. So I think as we kind of did this and got into 2023 and we had to kind of push for this consolidation, we started hiring a lot of seasoned D2C founders. And we said, if you've been through that and I've been through that, I feel the mentality with which you come back to build is very different. And I feel because I was given that security after my first failure, it changed my trajectory a lot. For me, that's important. That can be (coughs) summarized that for entrepreneurs or anybody operates ownership with a limited downside. I actually have this conversation with everybody. You know, I'm like, listen, I've been exactly where you are. Um, Healing is a process. It comes in waves. You feel like you've healed. You've not. It'll take some time. Yeah. And if you throw yourself into a structured environment right now, chances are you will go crazy. So you need a place where you can be yourself and run. But your brain cannot take the risk right now. So yeah, this is your, this is the bet I had with Lamudi. If I can even create one, and I'm sure I like I'm a hundred percent sure everybody who's come in as an ex entrepreneur will do their healing and will go back and start again. I'm, I'm. So confident, like hundred percent. Yeah. I want to jump tracks right now, right? You are in e-commerce, right? Hmm. You are selling on marketplaces. How to to a guest, right? First, I would like to to share your understanding of ONDC, and and how is ONDC even impacting your business? See, <clears throat> I've just started having conversations with ONDC, right? Uh, and what what is ONDC? I think. To super simplify it, because I do not want to get into technicalities and say something wrong, yeah. uh, I am definitely not the expert. I understand it. And my simple version of it is it's almost an enabler, okay. right? It is what UPI has done for the financial world and how it has enabled pay- digital payments to become as easy. ONDC becomes that underlying distribution partner for anything to do with commerce, right? Uh the reason I say we have not gotten deeply active is we've just started having the conversation. We need to remember commerce in India in any form. The meat of it is groceries yeah. and daily staples. That is what ONDC is very, very clear on trying to consolidate and make happen. It's basically enabling onboarding. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have to do commerce today, distribution is king yeah. and distribution is in the online world. Getting onto an Amazon is so different from getting onto a Flipkart. There are so many hurdles with from a seller and a buyer's perspective, right? Like the onboarding processes, the structures are so different that they become hurdles. But if you can start making what you want to sell available easy and buyers have access to seeing what is available across, it just makes the ecosystem so much more evolved. That is the enabler that ONDC is trying to play. And how how are you trying to, at 10 Club, trying to work with it? So we've just gotten on like two weeks ago. I think my conversation again was, it was too early last year because we needed to consolidate and bring it under one yeah. brand. As soon as we did that, we of course got onto ONDC through, um, we are not a direct network partner, but through a network partner onto ONDC. But I think... We've had a very honest conversation saying home is a very new category. Yeah. 
I mean, it's so new that a Flipkart today is trying to say, hey, you know, we're going to double down and bet on this category because it is the future. There is there is a lot of complexity with home, right? Logistics has to get built out. So I think it's a slow process. But if you look at what's happening in this category, whether it's quick commerce, it's definitely starting to get into it. So if you start looking at the Swiggies of the world, they do have a home yeah. category now because it is an important category. So I think it is the start of the spike and ONDC still is very early and they've also told us that baby steps were still really focused on groceries and then maybe a little bit more of lifestyle and then it kind of gets into the other categories. And you, you believe that the impact of ONDC would be as revolutionary as UPI? I think without a doubt having run marketplace online distribution core for yeah. a while and understanding how simple the hurdles are and how detrimental they are to the customer or the uh, seller, I think it can be a game. I, I think it's a game changer, right? And the way we've kind of implemented UPI and just the adoption across India, it takes time. But then I think in India, once it reaches that inflection point, just the uptake becomes so fast. And just knowing the consumer base that we have, I think it's just going to change the face of commerce. So I'm personally very, very excited to see just the maturity that will start coming in from every front. Got it. And you returned, you ran a business in Philippines and returned back to India, yeah. right? Uh, what made you, was it emotional decision or was, was it a, a decision based on the market size that, that you came back to India? So we sold Lamudi. I think going into Lamudi, I was very sure that we were building to get acquired, right? It was a distressed asset that needed to be turned around yeah. and sold for every stakeholder to make money. We had a timeline in mind. All of it was yeah. met, right? Um, I'd said three, I'd said I'll take one year at a time. I stayed for four, four and a half years at that place. Um, we got stuck in COVID. I think as soon as the acquisition happened, Varun and I tried traveling. We got stuck. We could never go back home. Um, Ten Club was, like I said, it came to me. It was not something that I dreamt up. It came as an opportunity and I spent time evaluating it. As an opportunity, when it was come to, when it came to me, I evaluated it for India. So I think it was not... It was not gut. It was not emotional. It Got was it. very, it was very calculated. Yeah. Got it. it was not like, I want to be back to my roots as an entrepreneur. So w w did that play or help in making that decision for you? No, I see the answer is home for me is everywhere. Right. Okay. I think for home for me is people. And I say that with a lot of joy, right? For me, home is people and the space I choose to make my own. Um, I think I knew I would come back to India and build for sure. I don't know if it was, if I have to put it, I don't think it was something I was actively thinking of. It was also the entrepreneur in me who had tried building for India and failed. And I wanted to do it once more when I had the courage. Uh, if somebody had told me I would come back so quickly and try it, I would have not believed it. But this seemed like timing and just the opportunity together. 
So it was not just emotion. It was definitely a bunch of things stacking up together. And you have been in India, operator in India, entrepreneur in India twice now, right? 2014-15 time frame and now again, right? Like a gap of six, seven years. What has changed or what is currently the, the, the change that you are observing happening in India at a mass level? I mean, it's just, one, I was very young back then. So I want to say I was a very clueless founder. Uh, so I have changed dramatically. So the lens I look at it from also has changed. But I mean, everything, right? Everything, I think the conversations around it, the acceptability around non-business families kind of encouraging. Uh, I think Shark Tank has changed the yeah. face of entrepreneurship in India, which is amazing. Uh, I think India has always been a very entrepreneurial country. We've just never called it that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's insane. Like, you know, every, every young person. And I, it's not even young. I think that's what's interesting. I think it's happening, you know, there's a lot of conversation around the young because, of course, the 20-year-olds are the future. Yeah. Uh, so it is important to invest there. But I think it's amazing to watch people in their late 40s, early 50s, 60s take very calculated uh, swings. I think that's also quite, it's quite interesting, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I think... Funds have matured, uh, money has changed, and that is important for an ecosystem. I think regulations, compliance is starting to be taken very seriously, which is important for an ecosystem to mature. So, yeah, I think we're still at the start. but And this is about the ecosystem, right? The startup ecosystem. What about general life? Because you are dealing with consumers day in, day out, right? Do you think what you are building right now would have been viable at that point in time? See, I think what I built that time was not viable at that point of time. Uh, it was definitely way before its time. Yeah. And I still think it's not a model that's fully played out in India, right? Even anywhere else in the world. It's a difficult yeah. model. Um, I think what I'm trying to do is in the home category is still in its very early innings, right? So I, I think if we had come in and we were trying to build something in beauty and fashion, the conversation would be very different. And I can give you that time frame. So I think it's not as simple as it's what you want to build and when, right? The timing is also quite specific. It's not broad strokes. So, um, I mean, everybody says this in the consumer space, right? Building a hundred crore fashion business today is a very clear possibility because adoption from the user has become widespread. They want yeah. homegrown brands. The infrastructure is built out. It's very, it's a very exciting time to do that. But your proposition has to be very deep and very clear, right? And there will be takers. I think beauty is at the start of that kind of inflection point, and we'll get there in a couple of years or sooner because the repeat rate is so high. I think home is like a good two to three years from even starting to see a serious uptick. Uh, but I think that's what's exciting. You know, it's just such a large category and there are so many problems that to build a large enough business, you need to start now and get your foundation now. And that's why I'm not in a hurry to like acquire all the customers yeah. right now. It's not possible. It's a journey for 
the next five, seven, ten years minimum. And and you mentioned you are okay building it as a lifestyle business rather than as a venture capital like business. No, don't get me wrong. I've raised a lot of money to say lifestyle business. Uh, it's not a lifestyle. A thousand crore business can be a lifestyle business, right? If if growing ten percent, fifteen percent year on year. See, I don't. I, I you know I I. I don't know, right? I I don't think I'm a lifestyle business kind of person. I'm too okay. restless for that. Um, so I I think the answer is when I got into this, I think the way we kind of structured our cap table and I went to Fireside Ventures, who are consumer focused yeah. uh, investors who who are marketers, and I'm not a marketer. Yeah. Right, and I had a very honest conversation with them, and I said, "Y'all know that it takes time. Uh, we're trying to do something in a category that is not—it's not yet there. The inflection point is as India goes from a three, three and a half trillion economy to the ten trillion economy. This is where boom is going to happen. Right? People start spending, and people start consuming, and people care about how their houses are. But it's a long journey till there. Um, so for me, I'm like, hey." If you're here to be here five, ten years and mean it, then I'm the entrepreneur to back. But if you're going to make me grow this eighty, hundred, hundred percent year on year, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Um, I think it just puts very wrong measures, and we all face it, right? Every time we have to go raise capital, yeah. and it is important. You have these weird like metrics that you have to chase. I think it makes the foundation very weak. So my answer is. We are all here to build a really, really large outcome, but I am very clear that it will take time. And you are very closely connected with Consumer Pulse, right? You have 200 SKUs across various categories. Uh, the the current global macroeconomic uh, environment, two wars going on, first time in global history, right? two wars yeah. going on in parallel: Russia, Ukraine, yeah. Israel, Gaza, and don't they both are the such wars? They don't have an end in sight. Yeah. Right. How are they impacting the consumer, the spending, and various other factors in India right now? So, see, I think my honest opinion about this is one: we tend to react in very short time frames, right? And that's not the right way to look at anything, yeah. right? We talk about quarter to quarter, and like, like this, the valleys. This festive season for us has been a little different from most, right? The valley has been pushed by a few weeks. That changes the way consumers buy. You know, everybody in India, a large part of India, waits for sale season, yeah. right? People push their purchases by a few months for this to happen. So, you know, when you look at July and August information, sometimes if you compare it to last year, the valley was in October last year. Now yeah. it's in November. So people have moved some of their buying a little. We do work around calendars. We do work around seasons. So it's very seasonal. It's very price conscious. I mean, so I think for me, we are in such a one. I am close to the customer, but I don't know who my end customer really is yet. Now I will, but for us, because we were working on marketplaces and we we do like ten thousand units a day in sale, right? We do volume. We don't do you know. So it's a lot of people. We service fifteen thousand pet codes. That's that's the lesson we have. Yeah. There are high days. There are low days. This time during sale season, we had a peak in the online boom, but 
three weekends at a row there were cricket matches yeah. and when there's cricket in india the everything stops everything stops right it rationalizes over the next few days yeah. right because buying happens in our category it's impulse plus its requirement so it happens and it's not like fashion where there's a peak there is sustained buying that happens but these small changes change day to day right and yeah i think this time all of the big sales that happened there was serious there was india pakistan which was quiet yeah like that day was quiet and it all happened on a weekend where boom buying happens so that buying got spread out to weekdays a little bit so you know and you can tell categories like garden for us didn't get affected yeah. very badly but a little bit of home gym and sports that was the drop was massive on a match day so yeah i but, think that's what happens in the commerce world but this is like what is happening in india right the cricket and everything else what's about the global thing how are they impacting see uh, i do think i don't think it's just consumption right it's also everybody is looking at unit economics a little bit yeah. more everybody is looking at profitability and cash flow a little bit more it's public information that even marketplaces are kind of having serious for the first time serious conversations about money logistics yeah right so i think it's bringing a different kind of discipline in sellers and brands but it's also kind of i do think there's a little controlled spending at the value level right uh, if you look at numbers i think the super wealthy in the luxury segment is doing really well like like luxury car sales are out of whack but there is a little bit of fear right there is in today's connected world people are listening hearing like they are there is a recession talk everywhere yeah. there is no sign of it but there is a conversation this talk has been on for the last 18 months 18 months so i think this kind of plays in many people's at least the online shoppers yeah. world right may not i think i cannot talk about the offline world yet i don't have enough data but in the online world there is i think what's and this is a little controversial but i think it will happen i think we overestimated how quickly it will happen is premiumization again it may be happening in the fashion category and the beauty category but i think in some other categories we are still value buyers i don't think premiumization is happening as quickly it may happen in the next 2 3 years and that's why i think sometimes when we assess india because we are so heterogeneous and we're so different yeah. sometimes we're in too much of a hurry to club everybody together but i think it's all going to happen it can happen in 12 months or in 48 months and that's the beauty of india i think over a period of time it all definitely stacks up just look at how dramatically different we are as a country compared to 2016 or 17 to where we are today i think 5 years has changed the way we buy differently and i assume most of your buyers would be who have income between as a household 50000 to 1 lakh rupees a month um 50000 to 1 lakh no actually see the answer is that is the goal right i and if you've not caught this by now as a as an entrepreneur i have very audacious goals but i think to get to audacious goals you need to break it down to sure. realistic uh I think our end super simple thing is we want to have something for everybody who's part of modern India and yeah. new India. Now that can be simple stuff and that's what we're working towards right but 18 20 months into building a new company I cannot be something for everybody that's yeah. not right. 
So we started off saying, and these are actual numbers yeah. of people who spend in the home category. This category, the number that you said will be shopping for fashion, potentially electronics online for discounts and fashion sure. for maybe just entering the beauty segment. But I think home is, is too new for them okay. to buy online. Um, we're looking at consumers households that have anywhere between 20 lakhs to 30 lakhs annum in income approximately we do think there is a higher spectrum that will start adopting early because they are also value buyers right so the adoption may happen in the 40-ish household category is because spending is possible and this is the category i can give you statistics about this right about the 20 to 40 50 lakh annum household in india spends about anywhere between one lakh to two and a half lakhs a year on everything to do with their house. That is the spending disposable income for this household. And that is the interesting kind of entry point for us to start. And as we expand, of course, we want to. We also think the consumers will get into a bracket where they're willing to spend. I don't think they are today, but three years from now, for sure. And which is a category, you know, that you think, right? For example, you were also in childcare, mm. right? You uh, that you find that even the fifty thousand to one lakh rupees monthly spend, you can tap into very quickly because for all the e-commerce entrepreneurs, all the sellers. <laughs> so we we don't do childcare, we do child room. Child room, yes. Right. So um, we do. We are trying to do everything that you find in a house, room wise. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the baby room, we started with blankets and we thought it was super interesting because what we bought were only entry level blankets, like blankets that were 150 to 300 rupees. Right. That people without, sure. you know, it was cute looking blanket. It was almost like you can buy it everywhere, but that is what people bought. And that's the business that we bought. And we then took it to like a category that does. 150 to 300 rupees, 300 rupees, 500 rupees, 500 rupees to 700 rupees. We went up to 1000 and we created a spectrum. (coughs) But I think 70% of our buys happen between the 200 to 500, 700 rupee category. Anything above 700 rupee in this segment falls. So while I think there is a segment of India that will exponentially spend on their kid, I still think value buyers will not spend more than this. We started at the opening price point and we kind of expanded to thousand. Yeah. And we realized that the sweet spot was between this two fifty three hundred to seven hundred rupees. A little bit more than that, consumption dropped. So while our ticket item was higher, the volume dropped. So we believe this is the sweet spot for where people want to consume at large. And this is across your categories now. So this was specifically because you asked me about your baby. baby category. <clears throat> See, I think if you're trying to build a pure D2C business with a design language and a niche, you have to charge more than that. But because we are trying to build for the value segment in yeah. mass India, for us, accessibility is very important, which means we don't want to be a marketplace business. We now want to take this, what we've learned two stores and distribution offline and through the website. And build 10 Club as a brand now, right? Yeah, and go as, see my thing here is, like I said, the goal here is go 
I should be available on quick commerce yeah. in the next two months, two years, right? For you to know my brand and say, I need something. I will close my eyes and buy it. Yeah. I think that's the goal for everything home, which is if you want to walk into a store and experience a full store, yeah. that is also possible. So that's the idea. Um, <clears throat> but our best selling is, like I said, garden. Um, it was one of the early businesses we bought. We nurtured it and there was suddenly this boom of home gardeners. We didn't sell pretty stuff. We sell, sold a lot of utility and that's what sells in volume in yeah. India. We tried selling pretty planters. It sold, but it never hit like critical mass. But I think that's the area. Um, we sell pots for like 70 rupees, uh, plastic pots. And that goes in volumes and volumes and volumes. We also sell huge plant stands for 4,000 rupees. So depending on what you want, there is a range for everything. One other, you know, the last topic that I want to cover is, right, you have worked across so many countries now, right? Mm. Uh, do you see in India uh, a bias <clears throat> towards uh, either a for or a against, a bias toward women CEOs? Uh, no, I think... I um, think we, we have come beyond uh, it uh, because earlier it, it was said See, that, I right? think it's still unfamiliar, right? And... Um, I don't think it's women. I think it's anything, right? That is not known and familiar. You have a checkbox of. Female founders are not common anymore, right? And I think the last couple of years, the numbers that have come up <clears throat> is quite exciting. Uh, before you just dive yeah. in, I want to share one number, right? So Forbes shared a report that. Women entrepreneurs only comprise like 13.76% of Indian startup ecosystem. And uh, they said, is there a chicken and egg situation where women founders are being told that they can't lead successful startups? But the reason for that is that there aren't enough opportunities <coughs> that uh, get invested in women startups uh, or women founded. See, I, I think this is a very, very complex problem right and i've tried answering this many times one for myself yeah <clears throat> two i think uh generally for the few of us who are yeah. in the ecosystem and are active and the women co-founders in the ecosystem may not have been connected in the past yeah but we all are now deeply connected yeah. right we've realized that we're a few of us and we're all learning and we're all we're all realizing that we need to cheer each other up <clears throat> There is a WhatsApp group that all of us talk about. Yeah, Nancy and you yeah, we're all on group. it, That's right? Uh, we're all on it, and it's a first step. It means it's very little, but I think that's the first step that most female founders need. Right? Our stories are pretty much the same, yeah. and you know, you need somebody to tell you that. Listen, this is not personal, right? We are not the stereotype. We are new, so a lot of it is unconscious. It's not intentional. Some of it may be intentional, but what are you going to do about it, right? You can sit down and beat yourself about yeah. it, or you can say, hey, and sometimes there's a deep power in collective suffering. I yeah. don't know, right? Like, you get very lonely when you think it's only you, but when you realize it's happened to five other yeah. people, suddenly you feel you're able to brush it off a little easier. And I think that's what's happening. I think um, we're still a very young ecosystem. Uh, I think the rate of women part. I think women founders is a problem globally uh, and 
it is going to take time to catch up around the world it still has to catch up in the formal workforce i think the startup ecosystem is still so young compared to that but because there's innovation technology lesser rigid systems we will catch up faster of course there is a capital problem there is of course an allocation problem there is of course a data problem there aren't enough female founders who've made it yet for people to be able to say i will validate this and put my money like girl today is going ipo right so that's <clears throat> break a lot of glass ceilings exactly and then there are so many people like in the last 5 years it has changed so many things yeah. right and yeah it's a journey and i think if you'd asked me this question 2 years ago my answer would have been a little different i think last year would have been a little, diff- little different i think all of us are on our journey of we are all changing and maturing right my answer yeah. cannot be the same that it was 5 yeah, years ago absolutely and i think my answer today is i think uh, i think there's a super collective power in knowing there are so many of us at different stages the minute somebody feels a bias i think the fact that we can say it and say hey this happened and somebody else says yeah this happened and then you're like okay i'm not alone now you brush it off and move on yeah. i think that's how it moves i think it will happen as 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 more women founders go out there break break glass ceilings talk about their stories yeah. i think more openly maybe not talk about their open stories to everyone i think yeah. share within groups i think it will change but are these questions like for example right uh, have they brushed away have they gone away like how do you handle work life balance do you feel intimidated by being the only women in the boardroom or where's your business partner who's the ceo among both of you see i think um, <clears throat> smart female founders will read about this i think a lot of them will expect it uh, i think we've all it's very hard to say you've come and become a founder without having lived a regular life right yeah. there's bias at every stage school college yeah right it's like i said stories are almost the same it's how you react to it yeah. that changes your trajectory um i think the ecosystem is mature enough to not be as blunt about these things it's changed that i think has changed but i think if you are very conscious and you are afraid that you're going to be asked that chances are it makes a situation that could not needn't be uncomfortable uncomfortable in any way so my best version of this story and i think after being in the ecosystem is everyone is on this journey of maturing um some people have realized maybe thinking it but will not vocalize it some of them without realizing vocalize it now if they say something like this you need to have the courage to say it is just me um uh, and know your odds the odds are a little lower for you um uh, i think the faster you make peace with this and the faster you you become so much more resilient right and i think the rate at which it's changing the more resilience you have the better founder you become and i think today i see a lot of founders saying listen we're in a capitalist world right no one's here to do any kind of social service yeah. or it's not it's a capital you're getting into a capitalist world you need to know where you're starting the race you need to know what you need to be prepare yourself for because these are challenges you're going to face i think founders are getting very smart about preparing hard and uh, yeah but when you started the first time right because you were also yeah. much younger yeah yeah right were you more vulnerable to these kind of conversation and now you are more aware because you have a ecosystem around you 
hundred percent, right? And I'm not talking about seven years ago. I'm talking about seven years ago, five years ago, even when I moved back to India, right? Um, I think that what I have learned is there is going to be noise. Uh, now you have to preserve your energy. Yeah. You have to decide what you want to react to. You can't fight everything, and there is this little activist in me at all given points, and I think that's with age. After a point, you realize you cannot fight every battle, and it yeah. is not yours to fight. Um, yeah. So I think now I fight the battles that matter to me. Uh, I don't want to change everybody's thinking. You know, like yeah, it'll happen over time. I think as we do it, it'll happen. Yeah. One thing I uh, observe right across your choices in the last ten, fifteen years is that you have lived a life with zero regrets. You have lived a life by your own terms, been and. Yeah. <clears throat> uh been in your skin yeah be been uh, being an extremist and completely yeah. being okay called a rebel and yeah. being okay that hey this is me and i may not be a rebel but i'm different and i like i find a lot of i really struggle when um when something is put on me to do and see I'm, that's what i'm saying right I'm not just breaking things for the sake of breaking things. I'm very happy doing normal things also, but yeah. I need to want to do it. Yeah. Right. Like I will sit at home and have my dosa and chutney and yeah. coffee, and I get a lot of pleasure in that. I can do the same things with my friends to death, and it will never bore me. Right. But different parts of my life require a thrill in a different way. So I think that choice of what I want to keep stable, where I want to get my thrill, where I want to get my satisfaction, is very important to me. And uh, I've realized that. many people are not secure and it's different people's upbringing right i think i enjoy who i am and i say it with no regrets that i have i think i have decent eq i understand people and and for me when i understand and give you the liberty to be you you have to give me the liberty to be me and if you can't accept me for me then it's okay you know you live your life i will live my life so i think that's been who i am and when you live like that i will give it my all and if it doesn't work out no regrets like give it my all but i think that's that's simple philosophy in life and i hope i can hold on to it for really long thank you so much bhavna it was such a pleasure to it have this really conversation it was really nice speaking to you too i think it was a very different conversation that i had and i could thank you for being so open <laughs> and and sharing various aspects of your life. No, thank you for being so easy to speak to. I wish I had asked you more questions. <laughs> I had gotten to this podcast saying I would ask you more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time, definitely. Next time for sure. Yeah.